Inside the Vatican is supported by the Hank Center at Loyola University, Chicago. On October 13th, the Hank Center welcomes Tehard Deschardin Fellow, Professor Kathleen Sprouse Cummings, and her lecture, A New Kind of Saint, Catholics and Canonization in the 21st Century. All are welcome in person in Chicago. If you're unable to attend, please register for the live stream at www.luc.edu slash ccih. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. In order to provide more time for the extended discernment, he said, I have established that this synodal assembly will take place in two sessions. Pope Francis announced this weekend that the Synod on Synodality has been extended to 2024. We'll explain why and what's planned. Pope Francis has criticized international leaders, saying they fail to address war and inequality. Yes, he spoke because we've got the worst humanitarian crisis in terms of migrants and refugees since the Second World War. And we're at the risk of a Third World War. Up next, the Pope has released a new book based on his nine social justice commandments. Jerry walks us through a few of the highlights. I'm Colleen Dully. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Terry. Good afternoon from beautiful October Rome. Is it cold there? It's it's finally sweater season here. October in Rome is one of the most beautiful periods of the year. Mm-hmm. It's not too hot, it's not too cold, and we've got lovely sunshine. Lovely. And it's nice to be back again live, Colleen. I know, I haven't seen you in like two weeks, because first we had the interview with Ambassador Donnelly, and then last week we had the Synod Deep Dive, which if our listeners haven't heard it, they can find in their podcast feeds, and if I say so myself, it's pretty good. (laughs) So please go listen to that. Oh, it's very good that, yes. We have an update actually to that story this week, because on Sunday, Pope Francis announced that the Synod on Synodality is going to be extended. And just to recap, for anyone who hasn't listened to the deep dive, this is the church's global listening and discernment process. It's aimed at fostering communion, participation, and a shared sense of mission in the church. And so this weekend, Pope Francis announced that instead of one final meeting in the Vatican in October 2023, there will now be two Vatican meetings, one in 2023 and another in October 2024. So, Jerry, my first question for you is, why extend this? Well, I think it it was the height of wisdom in my estimation, uh, because this is one of the major projects of his pontificate. Mm -hmm. It's one of the ways in which he's bringing about transformation and reinvigorating the whole church and breaking beyond clericalism to get laity, priests, religious, everybody working together moving together within the church at the local level, at the national level, he said, we see there's a great desire to participate among the people. They, they don't want a top-down kind of church. They, they want a church where they feel part of, and this is what he is succeeding in doing. And so he said, we need time. We don't want to rush this. We want to get people deeply involved so that the final conclusion, which will come October 2024, will correspond 
to the wishes of the grassroots. This is effectively what he's saying. And Jerry, we've seen a two-year synod before under Pope Francis. The Synod on the Family had two sessions in 2014 and 2015. Can we talk about what difference having two sessions for that one made that might offer some lessons for what we could gain from two sessions here? Well, there are two differences between that Synod on the Family and this one on synodality. (laughs) The first difference is there was much greater participation throughout the whole church for this one. It was a more targeted participation for the Synod on the Family. Secondly, in the first session of the Synod on the Family, the first assembly of bishops in Rome, there were lots of questions, there was a lot of tensions in some ways over some of the issues that were involved, especially over how you deal with irregular family situations not just communion to to the divorced and remarried, but many others, couples living together, couples in one-parent families. Mm-hmm. So there were many issues. And Francis, coming from Argentina, where he had experienced the real situation of families, he felt this is a big issue for the whole church because the, the family is a key fundamental basis of, of the church and of society. So let's address this. Then he moved to young people. So having two sessions in the Synod on the Family, what difference did it make? I think the big difference was in the first Synod, there were a lot of tensions, there were a lot of issues coming, and it was clear that the response that was emerging wasn't adequate to the questions that were being raised. And so giving that extra time of one year, they were able to reflect better at the theological level, at the pastoral level. And so when they came back for the second synod, they had thought through the responses more clearly, uh, more comprehensively. And so instead of, you know, one synod and it's all over, the second synod allowed for a maturing of the thinking, a greater explanation and clarification of the nuances. And I think it produced, in the end of the day, a much richer final document. We are still waiting to hear from the Senate Secretariat about what will happen in the year in between these two sessions. So we don't quite know what that maturing process will look like, just that that's what they're hoping will happen. Is that right? What we do know is what the Pope said on Sunday. Yes. And he he said that we've got some fruits, but there's need for greater maturity and greater discernment. Mm -hmm. So he, he sees that questions are being raised already in the first session, which you cannot rush to provide answers to. And he said, this must not be a rushed synod. Do you have an idea of what those topics are? I know that we're still waiting on the Global Senate Report. It didn't come out this week, as I had said in the podcast, that it probably would. Do you know what topics he might have in mind that need more maturing? Well, first of all, I think he's keen that this synodality, this walking together, that people get more used to it, get more involved in it, begin to understand more the the richness of this way of working together, not the priest coming in and giving orders and saying, do this, do that, and everybody following the instructions, but everybody feeling 
more responsible for what the church is doing at the local level, at the national level, at the global level. We've been talking a lot on this show about how this synodal process is part of Pope Francis's effort to implement Vatican II in his papacy. And as soon as the extension was announced on Sunday, there were some commenters saying, you know, this this is now as long as Vatican II. This is now going to last as long as Vatican II lasted. And so some people were saying, this is like a Vatican III. And I wonder what you make of that comparison. Well, it's very interesting. That was one of the first comments I had when I did a, the tweet. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're moving to Vatican III. They have not understood that what we are seeing is the flowering of Vatican II. Mm, so you don't think this is Vatican III? This, this is not Vatican III, because Vatican III would require the bringing together of the bishops of the world. Mm -hmm. But what Francis is doing is bringing together the people of God throughout the different countries and across the continents. It's a development of Vatican II, and in a way it's moved perhaps beyond what Vatican II had imagined. Mm, what do you mean by that? Because I think an effort to implement Vatican II is a different thing from going a step beyond Vatican II. Cardinal Beretto, the cardinal who is now president of the Ecclesial Conference of Amazonia, he's Peruvian Jesuit, he said, if we go back, one of the main council documents, there were four main ones, one was on the church. He said, chapter two speaks about the people of God. And only after chapter two do we arrive at chapter three, which is the hierarchy. Yeah, it was a big deal to put the people of God before the hierarchy. The, exactly. And he, he's saying, we focused a lot on the hierarchy, but we've now we're beginning to understand that really the starting point is the people of God. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, when I say it's a development of Vatican II, the basis of what is happening of this synod is in this document on the church. Pope Francis last Sunday said synodality is a constitutive element. In other words, it's an essential element of the church. It's one of the kind of the, the pillars on which the church is built. He says he sees his whole pontificate as trying to implement the Second Vatican Council. And here especially is his focus on the people of God. And this is what the Synod is about. It's how each of the components of the people of God work together, walk together, and build a church together at the local level, at the national level, at the international level. So Jerry, last question on this. How do you read the Pope's decision to extend this synod in the light of all the resignation rumors that we were talking about a few months ago? I think it's very interesting. Um, you know, Colin, at the end of August, when we had the consistory, m many people were pre predicting this is the last uh, batch of cardinals that the Pope is making. And then they were talking, he went to the tomb of Celestine V. He's, he's contemplating uh, resignation. And I said then, if you remember, I said, this is not the last group of cardinals that he will make. I expect him to make new cardinals at the end of 2023 or the beginning of 2024. And now I expect him to perhaps make another batch of cardinals at the end of 2024. Mm -hmm. Because that is the eve of the holy year, the jubilee year, 2025. Right. So Francis, the, what he's saying really last Sunday is saying, you know, here is going to the Senate, 
And he wants, as I said to you, he wants to deliver this baby to the church. <laughs> and uh, right. then he wants, uh, immediately after that, I'm sure he'll make a consistory for new cardinals. It would seem logical. And he will then open the Jubilee year 2025. It's also possible that if the Pope writes an apostolic exhortation after the Synod, which we've seen him do in the past, that that would come out in 2025. So, I mean, Francis is looking ahead a few years here. Yes, absolutely. I mean, he may do one of two things. He may take the conclusions of the Synod of 2024 and say, I am happy with that. This is what we will do. Mm -hmm. So effectively giving the, that Synod a decisional power. Mm -hmm. Or he will take the fruits of that synod and write his exhortation in 2025. Just to give voice to the perspective that he may resign, I feel like if he were to, this extension is a good way of ensuring that whoever comes after him would also have to see this baby birthed, right? Have to see this process through. Well, you know my thoughts on this, Colleen. I don't see resignation on the horizon. I don't see the conclave on the horizon. But no matter what, he's shoring up synodality as a major part of his legacy. So if our listeners want to learn more about the Synod on Synodality, including some really moving testimonies from people who have organized creative listening sessions around the world as part of this synodal effort, you can find that in this same Inside the Vatican podcast feed. It's called Deep Dive, What's Happening with the Synod on Synodality. We're going to take a quick break, and after that, we'll look at the Pope's new book, expanding on his nine social justice commandments. Stay with us. Pope Francis has a new book coming out this week called I Ask You in the Name of God. And if that phrase sounds familiar to you, it's because Pope Francis gave a speech last year to people involved in social justice movements that included nine appeals for justice, and they all started with I ask you in the name of God. So he asked the great pharmaceutical companies, he said, to release the COVID vaccine patents. He asked the great extractive industries to stop destroying forests and wetlands and mountains, stop polluting rivers and seas, and so on. The Pope has now expanded on those calls in a new book with Argentine journalist Hernán Reyes Alcaide. Uh, and Jerry, you've read the book already. You've commented on this for Al Jazeera. What stood out from the book for you? Well. I think it's striking that Francis, he begins by saying in the, in the introduction, he says, you know, I'm, you're used to me asking you, he's addressing everybody, not just uh, Catholics. He, he's saying, you're used to me saying, pray for me or send good vibes my way if you're not into praying. He said, this time I'm going to ask you to pray for 10 different causes. And he lists them. 10 different aspects of what one might call the social teaching of the church. He doesn't say that. And he said, I want you all to pray for each of these. And so the first one starts, in the name of God, I ask you that the culture of abuse be eliminated from the church. Then he goes on about fake news and discourses of hate, hate speech. Then he goes on and speaks about 
politics. And he says, I ask you that we pray that those engaged in politics work for the common good. So a very important thing. And then he speaks about, I ask you to pray that war be stopped. Speaks about the folly of war. I think it's true. I'm struck by the fact that in all these, what you might call social justice questions, uh, touching on refugees, touching on the poor countries, touching on the economy, touching on use, uh, using uh, the name of God to foster violence. Francis begins with the question of the abuse in the church. Mm-hmm. And he reaffirms very strongly, he says, asking God's pardon for what members of the church have done wrong, the harm they have done to children and vulnerable people. And then he reaffirms, you know, the policy from now on is zero tolerance. And he says, everybody has a role in preventing abuse in the church. Mm -hmm. And in fact, this is a kind of a mantra that goes through each of the 10 topics that he deals with. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a role in preventing or in addressing or in doing something about each of these 10 topics. So he is reaching out to a global community, first of all, to the those of his own flock, the church, but also to people of goodwill, to those in power, to those in government positions, to those in political positions. I want to ask you about this as an instructional document. You know, you mentioned it's not just addressed to Catholics, but it is meant to spark action in people, even if those are just prayers for peace or whatever. How do we read this as a papal document? By that, I mean, where does this stack up in in terms of like, is this an official church teaching, an official papal teaching? I know this question comes up whenever the Pope does these kinds of interviews and books. Well, he sees himself as a pastor. Hmm. He considers the world as his parish. It's interesting. At the beginning, you said, you know, that this book is directly connected with that speech he gave to the popular movements way back in, was it October 2021? Yep. And it's interesting what he says there at one stage. He says, people say, why is the Pope talking about all these things? Basically, why doesn't he just talk about God and about going to church and about praying? He said, why is the Pope talking about all these things? Yeah. He quotes his predecessors. He says, you know, what did Paul VI do? What did uh, John Paul II do? What what did Benedict do? He said, the Pope must not stop mentioning this teaching, even if it annoys people, because what is at stake is not the Pope, but the gospel. And basically what he's saying is the message behind each of these, I ask you in the name of God, is founded deeply in the gospel. Right. So it's all rooted in the gospel. At the same time, this isn't just addressed to Catholics or just to Christians, right? It's a message for all people. Yes, absolutely. And when I said that in the first, he opens the book by saying, I've asked you to pray for me. Now I'm asking you to pray. And if you don't pray, to send good vibes for these different issues. Mm-hmm. So he's he's going beyond the Christian community. We've seen him in Kazakhstan some weeks back. He's going to Bahrain very soon. With leaders of other religions, he makes very clear in in this book that it's a a global message. It's not a strictly denominational or Christian faith message. It's, It's a message 
inspired by the Christian faith, but it's a message of relevance to people of all faiths and none. Right. So this isn't a question of doctrine or dogma or discipline, right? So much as as showing that the Catholic Church is willing to have encounters with secular society and apply its social teaching in those places. Well, it's very clear, Colleen, for example, you, you take the, the gospel message, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called children of God. Everybody recognizes the urgent need for peacemakers today, and that's the message of the Pope. This book was written in Spanish. It's already coming out first in Italian. It's going to be in Portuguese. I understand there will be an English version of it. Great. I, I, th I think it will read, uh, reach a lot of people. If our listeners don't want to wait until the English translation comes out, they can refresh themselves on that original speech that this is based on by reading your story, Pope Francis's Nine Commandments for a Just Economy. I will link that in the show notes. And that is about all the time we have for today. So thanks for taking some time to talk with me about both the Synod on Synodality. Thanks for your help on the deep dive and also about this new book that you've read. Thank you, Colleen. One last story we didn't get a chance to cover on the show in the last two weeks. On the Feast of St. Francis, October 4th, a new documentary about the impact of the Pope's encyclical Laudato Si was released on YouTube. It's a collaboration between production company Off the Fence and the Laudato Si movement. I'll include a link in the show notes to watch the film for free. Inside the Vatican is a production of American Media. This episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn and Ricardo Da Silva. Audio engineering by Kevin Christopher Robles. Production assistant this week from Cristobal Spielman at America Media and Robert Balasser at the Jesuit Curia in Rome. Our executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. To keep up with the latest Vatican coverage from America Magazine, follow us on Twitter at INSDE Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. And you can find all of our coverage at americamagazine.org. While you're there, please consider becoming a digital subscriber to America Magazine. It's easy to do, and it's the best way to support our work here on Inside the Vatican. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dilley. We'll see you next time.